Sometimes the darkness of our world or in your life feels so strong that you can't find the light. And maybe that's the exact moment where the light finds you. And that's actually one of the themes, if you notice uh, from the readings today and the songs today, is how the light finds us in the darkest of situations. And I just want to reflect very briefly about how this theme, which is really strong in the Christmas story, applies directly to our life, and especially when things are difficult. So I'd like to look together at Isaiah 9, which is on page 11. It's one of your readings. Page 11, Isaiah 9. There's a phrase right at the beginning of this this poem, this prophecy, that caught my attention as I was reading through the lessons. And then that phrase is this, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. The people walking in darkness. Have you ever walked in darkness? If you've ever walked in darkness, literally or metaphorically, you know that most of the time it's no fun at all. And I've been listening to stories of the migrants who live on this campus uh, who have found shelter right here um, and have come from, from a distant land. They've They've shared their stories of walking in darkness, and it started in their own home country. It started with having to tell their own children who were hungry, we don't have any more food. It was looking out their window, seeing gangs roaming the streets with AK-47s. The darkness was their relatives disappearing because of a rumor that they had criticized or opposed the government. The darkness was coming home to death threats scrawled on their, uh, on their refrigerators and all over their kitchen, death threats from the local gangs. One resident staying here said this. She, she told me, I stopped counting the reasons for leaving home. So they took the pilgrimage north, and in doing so, they had to pass through something called the Darien Gap. The Darien Gap is a 60-mile stretch of rainforest connecting Colombia and Panama. Now, to make it out of the Darien Gap alive, you and your kids had to survive various threats. One was the swamps that go up to your neck. Another one was the mud pits that go up to your shins. Another was the poisonous snakes, the steep ravines, and most of all, the cartels that run any camp that is run in the Darien Gap. If they find you, if they stop you, you have to pay. And if you don't have anything to pay with, they will kill you. They will traffic you, they will assault you, they will do whatever they want because they have the guns and you don't. The people walking in darkness. It doesn't get much darker right now than the Darien Gap when you've lost everything and you're just trying to survive with your small children. And all you want to do, all you want to do when you pass through that 60 miles of rainforest without any roads is to make it to the light. Now, most of us have never had to leave our homes unwillingly or take our small children through the Darien Gap. But I know enough people and I know enough about the human experience to guess that you might be going through a difficult time yourself. Getting a cancer diagnosis out of nowhere. Going through a divorce or a broken relationship. Feeling alone and forgotten in a huge city with millions of people. How about trying to fight your way out of depression? That's no fun at all. Fighting a broken system at work or in our city. There's a lot of darkness in our world. And and what's more, the darkness can come with some pressure. Fix this. It's all on you. And so we shine as much light as we have 
We give it everything we've got. We dig deep for the motivation, for the grit. We look for techniques, for inspiration, to keep our candle burning and to be a light for the people that we love, to give them everything that we have. But that's exhausting. The darkness is exhausting to fight after a while. And sometimes it backfires when we try to shine the light. Have you ever heard the phrase toxic positivity? Okay. The pressure that we put on ourselves and other people to feel good feelings that are wildly inappropriate to the situation we're going through. Just feel better, we tell someone who's grieving. It doesn't, it doesn't help. That casts more shadows than gives light. Do you ever wonder if we have enough light or enough of the right kind of light for the darkness that we're passing through? If it's all on us, we might despair. Now, here's one reason I was drawn to Isaiah's vision is that he relieves some of the burden for us of generating enough light in the world to fight the darkness. Isaiah, for himself, he was a poet and a prophet, and he was speaking into a very violent period of history. And in his own country, they were on the cusp of war and forced migration. The darkness was very, very heavy over Israel at that time. And people around him were very tired uh, fixing it. They, were, they tried very, very hard to fix it with their own light, but Isaiah knew it's not going to work. And so he gave them a vision from the Spirit of God, and that vision was of a light that could only come from the outside and find them in the darkest of situations, finds us in the darkest of situations as well. And uh, the, it says, too, right next to it, it's the second verse of Isaiah 9, it says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. So right in the midst of the darkness, light shines. It finds the dark rooms, the dark jungles, people whose hearts are dark, the most hopeless of situations. When every candle has been extinguished, light finds them in the cancer ward. Light finds us in the lonely streets of Chicago. Light finds us in the conflicts that just never seem to end. They get worse. Light finds us when our homes are ransacked and graffitied with hate. Light finds us in the Darien Gap. The people whose eyes have kind of adjusted to the darkness have to squint because they don't just see a, glint, a faint glimmer. They see a great light. They see a sun in full blaze. And it fills the land, yet it also shines on them specifically, shines on the people like a blessing. The people who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. It's the people who are in the darkness that get the light. And we have to ask specifically, what does this mean? What is this metaphor referring to? Is it just flowery language for the sweet by and by? Is it a metaphor um, for something that? You know, just we have to make up, we have to fill in the blanks ourselves. We get a clue that there's a very tangible expression of light, and it's in verse 3. Isaiah says, um, he's speaking about God. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. Now, whatever this light is, it's bringing joy to an entire group of people. It's not just a solitary person who won. It's a nation who wins. They're shouting with joy, they, they, like they've just won a battle or they've just had a bumper crop. It's like the best windfall they've ever had. 
and they start dividing the spoils before, like earlier in Isaiah, they were the spoils. It's like that moment from Lord of the Rings when the fellowship finally make it to Isengard and they find two cheeky hobbits, Merry and Pippin, smoking long bottom leaf, their stomachs filled with salted pork, and the fellowship demands an explanation. What are you doing? And Pippin says, we are sitting on a field of victory, enjoying a few well-deserved comforts. The hobbits aren't sitting on a field of positivity, trying to make the most of a bad situation. They're sitting on a field of victory because something good has been done where there's only been evil. Light has dawned on Isengard. Justice has been done in Isengard. That's why they relax. That's why they rejoice. That's why they divide the spoils. And that's why, in Isaiah's vision, the people rejoice because justice has been done, as we see in verse 4. Verse 4 says, For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Isaiah is describing a day when violent tools are broken forever and the symbols of war are put into the fire. A few years ago, we hosted uh, a backyard bonfire for a few of uh, our kids' friends. And they came and they all brought their homework for the year. It was the end of the year. And guess what went into the fire? And they watched with satisfaction as the flames started to lick up the bits of homework and they saw all these worksheets, all the worksheets, you know, the busy work and the tests. It's like, yes, burn. Now, if it's satisfying to see your homework burned, Imagine the relief of seeing the bloody garments of your tormentors burn in the fire. To see the boot that once kicked down your door and marched on your neighborhood burn in the fire. To see the rod that once struck your neck because you did not comply get snapped in two and that rod gets burned in the fire. You get to watch it burn. You get to dance around the campfire. The light has brought joy to the people through justice. True justice, deep justice, satisfying justice. Oppression has ended. Good has overcome evil. Darkness has been, has been thrown off like a bloody garment and thrown into the fire. Good riddance. Let's watch it burn and feast together. But how does that justice come? Now, Isaiah's answer might surprise us. He talks about it in verse 6. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. Okay, it's a kid. It's a child. He's born unto us. He's given to us. That is to say, he's a real human, born into the world we live in. Isaiah can see a humble, vulnerable child born right into the darkness. And that answer is astounding. Because this child is not just vulnerable, he actually grows up to do something that no human being has ever successfully done. Okay, and that is that he rules the world in peace. The end of verse six says, and the government will be on his shoulder and his name will be called. And just think about this, if this were true of the leaders of our day, wonderful counselor, okay? Someone full of wisdom, wonderful wisdom, mighty God, someone who had the strength to solve the problems of our day. 
everlasting father, prince of peace. What if there was a real prince of peace, not a counterfeit one that claimed peace, but only brought oppression? This is a prince who's known for peace. And that's what this child grows up to be. He's humble, yet powerful. He's human, yet divine. He was born unto us to rule over us, not with violence, but with wisdom and justice. Wouldn't that be a joyful day? Now, who is Isaiah talking about? Who's this child? Who's this king? Dr. Carmen Imes is a scholar who specializes in the book of Isaiah. And she draws a connection between the vision of Isaiah and the birth of Jesus Christ. In doing so, she notes six dimensions of trauma surrounding the birth of Jesus Christ. Forced migration, government oppression, personal scandal, heavy taxation, the dangers inherent to childbirth without modern medicine, and the slaughter of children under Herod's reign. Jesus Christ was born into all those circumstances, right into the darkness, yet consider this, how he brought the light. He didn't perpetuate any of those traumas on the next generation. He healed the sick and suffering who had been outcast. He proclaimed God's mercy for the condemned. He gathered the lonely and forgotten into a new family. And he went toe-to-toe with the dark powers of this age, both the seen and the unseen. And you know what he told them? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness again, but will have the light of life. And you know what they did to him? They snuffed him out like a candle in the wind. And they put him on a Roman cross to make an example of him. And as he breathed his last, history tells us that darkness covered the whole land. It was completely dark. It looked like darkness had had its day finally, completely and fully. Yet it was through this darkness and through this death that his light shone most clearly. The light of his love, the light of his forgiveness, the light of his victory. He showed us what merciful justice truly is. The light of Jesus Christ found us and it still finds us. One of the families staying at the shelter experienced this firsthand. Um, the, the husband of the family, his name is Ramon, and he contracted uh, bacteria while they were passing through the Darien Gap. And this is the worst place in the world to catch a bacteria, but it got in his leg. And his leg began to swell and became discolored. His wife, uh, Yoselin, and their children asked for the light of Christ to shine in the darkness, to give healing and protection to Ramon. Time passed. Uh, The infection got worse and worse. They traveled as fast as they could, uh, but they couldn't stop the infection. They didn't have money for the medical attention that they could have gotten. All they had was prayer and hope to continue going in their journey. There was one day left, one day before uh, Ramon's leg was going to have to be amputated. And um, they finally made it to to immigration uh, as asylum seekers. They had an appointment. And what happened is that U.S. immigration took them from the border to a hospital where there was immediate medical attention. And with about 24 hours to go, they found the exact source of the bacteria. They removed it. And today, Ramon is walking. Um, and in fact, he is at work today, I'm, I'm told. Now, here's what his wife, Yoselin, says. She says, I have felt the presence of Christ to this very day. He has always been with me and my family and provided all we need. Now, I personally love that story. And I also ask the question, what about all those other situations that don't have a happy ending? If Jesus Christ is the light, why is there still so much suffering? Maybe you're asking that question this morning. 
Why doesn't he overcome the darkness completely and fully? I long for that day, my friends. I long for that to happen. I wish it could happen today. If you're on a long journey through the darkness, you want to know that it's going somewhere, don't you? If you're in a tough situation, if only you could see a good outcome, a satisfying outcome, a purpose, a meaning, you could keep going. You could keep your candles trimmed and burning, right? You could keep walking. And for all this uh, reasons, I want us to see the picture within Isaiah's final lines where he says, verse seven, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord will do this. The truth is, my friends, that the darkness of our world will one day come to an end, but his justice and his righteousness will be upheld forever. His light will shine forever. The darkness will one day collapse upon itself, but the light of Christ will shine both forever, but even now in our hearts of anyone who welcomes it. And the deeper we grieve today, the brighter his light can shine in our hearts. I think the best way to experience the light of Jesus Christ is in a situation that you would describe as dark, right? The situation that you can't fix, the person that you love, but you can't save, you can't rescue, the sickness that lingers too long, the loneliness that haunts you at night, the injustice that gets worse. You've tried stopping it. You can't stop it. Where do you need, where do I need the light of Jesus Christ to shine? This Christmas, we can cry out, Jesus Christ, send your light, find me. And we point him in the direction of the absolute darkest corner of our world. We point him in the direction of the absolute darkest corner of our heart or of our relationships. And we say, please shine there. Show me that your light still shines. And his light, my friends, will dawn upon you. It will. And you too will sit on a field of victory, both this time forth and forevermore. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are the son of righteousness, not just the son of God, but the sun that shines over our world and in our hearts. We pray that you would scatter the darkness from before our path. We pray that the blessing of God would bless us and keep us, would shine upon us and be gracious to us. We ask that the light of God, as seen in the face of Jesus Christ, would be lifted up upon us to give us peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you like to meet uh, Ramon's wife, Yoselin, who's here today? Um, I want to invite Kari, the translator, and Yoselin to come on up. Would you please join me in welcoming her as we hear more of her story? Welcome, Yoselin. Can you tell us the ages and names of your kids? César Augusto, mañana cumple 14 años. Ana Paula. César is going to turn 14 tomorrow. And Ana Paula es un poco tímida, no quiso subir. Is a little shy, so she didn't want to come up. Tiene 11 años. Is 11. Well, oh, Courtney, that. Um, Yoselin, can you tell us a little bit about why you chose to leave your home country, Venezuela? Nos puede contar por qué salió de Venezuela para venir aquí. Um, son muchas cosas. 
There's many reasons. Uh, son, lo primero son tus hijos. First thing is your children. Para que tengan un futuro mejor. Their future. Un lugar seguro. Un lugar donde ellos puedan ser libres. A place where they can have freedom and safety. Donde puedan tener oportunidad. Where they can have opportunity. De ser quienes quieran ser. To be what they want to be. Um, el tener que salir y, y, y viajar y tener que ver y vivir todas estas cosas es difícil. Having to leave um, and live all of these things is very difficult. Pero que creo que más difícil es haber dejado todo. The most difficult thing is to have left everything. Tu familia. Tu cultura. Your culture. Tus amigos. Your friends. Todo, todo lo que has vivido. Everything that you've experienced. Dejando todo atrás. Leaving everything behind. Para llegar a un país. To come to a country. Donde tienes que aprender a hablar. Where you have to learn how to speak. Tienes que ser como un niño. You have to be like a child. Porque tienes que aprender todo de ellos. Because you have to learn from someone else. Y empezar de cero. And start from zero. Sin nada. Sin familia. Sin tu tierra. Sin tu comida. Pero le doy gracias a Dios. But I thank God. Porque este país. Because this country. Está lleno. Is very. De personas. Que tienen la luz de Dios en su corazón. Of people who have the light of God in their heart. Y todas las personas que Dios me ha puesto. The people that God Han sido muy buenas conmigo. Have been very me. Con mis hijos. With my children. Yoseline, what do you miss most about your home country? Mi mamá. Su comida, todo. And what is the uh, favorite Venezuelan dish that you miss? Hay una comida que se llama sancocho, que es una sopa con muchas verduras y cachapas. <laughs> es una comida que se hace con maíz. Se muele. Ah, luego se tiende en una plancha. Y, y se comen con mantequilla y queso. And you eat it with cheese and butter. Mariso. <laughs> Son muy buenas. Lastly, Yoselin, I want to ask, how does it sound to have a Christmas party together uh, with all of the families of the shelter and everyone from the community next week? Muy bien, porque um, será un buen momento para nosotros conocer de ustedes. It's going to be a great time to learn from you, to meet you. 
eh, compartir to share y creo que nos sentiríamos incluidos and we would feel very included with you en su comunidad in your Thank you so much. You no, gracias. Gracias.